RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. It's Monday night at almost 7 p.m. Pacific, and it is time to talk New Trek. It's Mission Log Live. I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. And I'm John Champion. You know, podcasting is a lot like vocal jazz. It's all about the... You don't say. Well, welcome to the show and to our coverage of Episode 4 of Lower Deck's Moist Vessel. Oh, sure. Ashley and I are well prepared to pick this one apart, but this is Mission Log Live, and that means the discussion is all about you. What did you learn? What references and Easter eggs did you notice? What does go on in the holodeck that requires a bio filter? We all know. Actually, just, you know. Don't say it. Don't say it. (laughs) Keep it. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. This is a family show. I know this is the internet. So click on the Zoom meeting link or use the one tap on your smartphone, or you can just call us 669-900-6833. And make sure that you enter the meeting code and do remember that you will also need to enter the password because this is a safe zone. Yes, there you go. That is right. So let's all get caught up together. Let's figure out if it's better to be an officer or better to have the menial jobs along with the Lower Decks crew. I think that that's really the question tonight, right? Absolutely. You get the better food, apparently, which I have a question about. That just doesn't make any sense to me at all. (laughs) Um, But you have all those boring meetings. You have uh, apparently crew improv shows. I mean, oh so much to not look forward to. We've all been invited to those friends improv shows. We know what's up. That, a, friend of mine, <laughs> a friend of mine said that. It was like, you know, the scariest uh, five or six, I, I can't do it on the top of my head, like the scariest five words in the English language is like, can you come, well, can you attend my improv show? Six, six words. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> um, so look, uh, a couple of words about what is coming up. Uh, next week, Norman will be back. So I really enjoy this. I loved watching you and Norman together last week. That was a lot of fun for me to step back and watch you two take over. Oh, awesome. I was, I was uh, saying this to John on the pre-show. It was like hanging out with a friend I didn't know I had. There you go. And hey, and one day when we can in the world, we'll have to hang out, hang out. Yes, you know? and eat and drink like champions. <laughs> yes, that's what I do. That's what I do. Um, also, for anybody who hasn't picked it up yet, uh, please check out the Mission Log interview with Walter Koenig. So proud of this one. He was just so cool and so open with himself and free with his time. Check it out. Uh, you can pick it up at missionlogpodcast.com or, you know, wherever you get podcasts like Mission Log. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and also a uh, major announcement from CBS. Uh, did you hear about that? Yeah, right? Uh-huh. I did hear about this and I have been yes. bullying all my friends to take advantage of this. CBS, in a desperate plea to put out new content in the pandemic, is going to be showing Discovery on broadcast TV. I actually think this is totally great. I know I joke about it, but I think this is such an intelligent use of their catalog and such a great way to breed more Trekkies and Trekkers out in the world. Uh, it begins on Thursday, September 24th at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's uh, 7 p.m. on the West Coast. Yes, I'm yes. good now, at math. <laughs> I do think, you know, a couple of uh, thoughts about that, a couple of ideas. Yeah. One is that they'll have to do a little bit of editing. There is some <laughs> content. 
not appropriate for broadcast some little bleeps yeah yes yes and the other thing though is that i I have to wonder now look the good news about discovery is that it's already paid for Mm -hmm. it did very well on its paid platforms in the u.s and around the world so thank goodness that's great this is purely an exercise to expose it to an additional audience which is great but I have to wonder, like, how will it actually do in the ratings on broadcast TV? I, I, look, I I think it's a smart show. I think it's a clever show. I think it's a well done show. I don't really think that it is a broadcast show necessarily. So I'll be very curious to see how it does. It's definitely not. And that's not a, I don't think that's a negative thing. Like there's lots of stuff that's created for streaming content. That's a very different audience than especially a typical cbs audience mm-hmm. but the cool thing about broadcast television is a uh, variety will tell us how it does like a week right. after <laughs> i know that'll be very interesting so mm-hmm. for anybody who hasn't caught up on it or who know people who haven't caught up on it that that's very cool september 24th like you said it'll start and um fun fun for well pretty much the whole family because again <laughs> they'll have to be creative about the edits <laughs> no more show. f-bombs yeah <laughs> Uh, And I have a little bit of bad news uh, to share with everyone. I know it's not like it's a little bit tragic for us. Maybe not for you guys. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, Facebook polling is just gone. Like it's not there. I tried last week. I tried this week. The polling feature is not there. So uh, Ashley and I were talking before the show and we think we'll just have to move it to a new platform maybe to Twitter mm-hmm. or something else, but I'd love for the Mission Log poll to come back. Thanks, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, right? <laughs> you did this to us personally, so I'm going to hold him responsible. As our feed goes dead. Like, yeah, really? <laughs> oh, the Facebook page is down. <laughs> right, oh, there's yeah. been interference from San Francisco. I know he doesn't live in San Francisco, but some Northern California. Somewhere <laughs> like that, yeah. Uh, cool. So, hey, I'm glad to see everybody uh, jumping into the chat, and thank you for being patient with us. We started about two minutes late. We had a weird computer tech thing, but our our tech guru Earl figured it out. He worked it out for us. So um, hello to everybody who's joining us. There's Ron. There's Tate. There's Casey. There's Lou. There's Chris. Uh, there. Oh, the Casey, of course, calling out Cooley. Uh, John Cooley <laughs> should be in there somewhere. Uh, and then let's see. There's David. There's Ron. Uh, there, say, oh, oh, Lou, saying to you, don't let John dis improv. Let's see. Okay, you know, as somebody who started an improv when he was six and went through Second City Conservatory. I will disimprov all I like. Thank Look, you Look, I'll co-sign much. that as someone who, who yeah. has the full UCB education under See? her belt and is a terrible right. improviser. We could diss yeah. on improv. It's okay. Oh, hey, wait, wait. You're UCB. I'm Second City. Do we have to fight afterwards? Yes. Do we have to like, take this dun, to dun, um... dun, 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 dun. <laughs> knife fight in the alley? <laughs> the great improv wars of 2020? Oh you yes. will win. I'm a very bad improviser. <laughs> Oh, no, look, we could do a whole show on this. My my graduate show was awful. It was terrible. But thank goodness we did a science fiction theme show afterward, which opened with Star Trek. And nice. ruled. So there you go. Uh, so hello to everybody. There's Scott Palm. Great to see you. There's Alan. Uh, there is Dennis. Now, well, wait a minute. It says what the show is missing is enlisted personnel and NCOs. These are the people ensigns uh, order around but no more than the green officer. Interesting. This is getting deep. Dennis, I think you need to call in and explain exactly uh, uh, the structural thing that we need to see 
with uh, <laughs> Laura Dex. All right. Uh, so thank you. Thank you to everybody who, uh, who has jumped in. And uh, yeah, give us a call. You know what to do. You give us a call. Use the one tap from your smartphone. You hit the Zoom meeting link. Make sure you type in that Zoom password along with the meeting code. And uh, we will talk to you then. So Ashley, um, do you mind if I do a recap? Uh, no, I won't take it personally. You to, okay. All right. <laughs> In fact, uh, I would love it. Here we, by the way, you know, usually on Mission Log, if it's worth mentioning, we'll say something about the title of a show, like it's something esoteric or historic. Mm-hmm. Any comments before I start about <laughs> moist vessel? I am not someone who has an issue with the word moist, okay. but it was definitely a choice. Yes. And I actually think it's probably more of a reference to uh, a job that Mariner gets assigned than anything else. But anytime we get a Wessel reference, I'm here for it. Okay. All right. Very good. So here we go. Moist vessel. It's team up time. The Cerritos and the Merced will be working together this week to tow a centuries-old generation ship where it could be protected and studied. On board, it's got a terraforming fluid that transforms any non-living matter it touches. Life from lifelessness. This fascinating briefing interrupted by Ensign Mariner, who is tired and bored and not winning over the respect of Captain Durango from the Merced. Once he's gone, and with Captain Freeman's frustration at a high level, she decides, with Commander Ransom's influence, to reassign Mariner to the worst jobs on the ship. Maybe then she'll beg for a transfer. When assignments are doled out, all the lower decks crew get the usual menial tasks, but Mariner's is particularly grueling. Turbolift lube, carbon deposit removal, and cleaning out the holodeck biofilters. Ew. Tendi has a little better. She's going to attend an ascension where a crew member who is working on achieving intercom will become one with the universe or something. She's a little too excited about it, though, and ruins this ceremony for everyone with her combination of earnestness and clumsiness. Even when Tendi tries to make nice with Lieutenant O'Connor, who is definitely not at peace anymore and wants her to go away. As Mariner works through her assignments, she's actually doing okay. She even turns that carbon scraping gig into a game, much to the delight of her crewmates. But when word gets back to Ransom and Freeman, there's only one way to intervene with Mariner's insubordination for good. Give her a promotion. And it's as bad as Mariner could have expected. Meetings, seminars, boring senior staff stuff. It's a nightmare. Meanwhile, Captain Durango on board the Merced decides to do something stupid. Specifically, he changes alignment of his ship, getting closer to the Generation Derelict, and in doing so, he breaches the hull, which lets loose with some of that terraforming chemical. It comes into contact with the Merced, eating away at the hull, turning it into life, moving, growing, erupting plant life, consuming the ship. And in a second, the same thing starts happening to the Cerritos. It is full-on chaos. Corridors and rooms are being swallowed by rocks, trees, glaciers, corals, and oceans. Trapped together are Tendi and O'Connor, who now both think they're going to die when Tendi apologizes that she was only trying to help O'Connor so much with his ascension because she wants people to like her. 
O'Connor admits that he was only the Ascension guy because it made him stand out, and he wants people to like him. But now they're both going to die together. So at least that's off their chests. As conditions worsen, Tendi gets them out of one jam but into another. When O'Connor spots a large rock plummeting from above, he pushes Tendi out of the way, saving her, but crushing his own lower body. Captain Freeman and Lieutenant Mariner are working their way to environmental control, where it's just possible they can contain this mess and reverse it. Of course, on the way, it's time for some mother-daughter, captain-lieutenant talk. Freeman is tough on our daughter, treating her like a child. But Mariner acts out and goes underappreciated for her skills. It's an argument that carries right over into the room where they need to be, finding systems still online. Mariner suggests flooding the ship with perazine gas, then triggering a reversion with the main deflector, exactly as Freeman herself would have done it. They tech the tech, and it works. The organic crush all around the ship subsides, and things get a little more back to normal. The rock that had pinned O'Connor disappears, and he and Tendi celebrate with a kiss just as O'Connor starts to spontaneously ascend. His moment of selflessness is what he needed all along. He starts to physically float up, glowing, becoming one with the universe. Just when he's about to blurt out the meaning of life, he's gone, leaving behind a pair of empty boots. The Merced took far more damage than the Cerritos, and life support is critical. Thinking fast, Freeman gives the order to Mariner to beam the entire crew of the Merced over to the Generation ship. They can hang out over there for a while until they all finally get back to Starbase, which they do, eventually. Once there, Admiral Vassery greets Captain Freeman and Ensign Mariner in the conference room. The Admiral presents both of them with medals for their ingenuity and bravery. But when he says they picked up something strange on sensors, well... Mariner can't help herself, even when Freeman tries to cover. It's not censors, it's censors. Don't sound like a weirdo. It doesn't go over well. Mariner is out of line, and the Admiral takes it personally. Guess mother and daughter won't be working together as officers again anytime soon, because Mariner, in very short order, is demoted back to Ensign and back among her colleagues on the lower decks. The end. Real missed opportunity not having the meaning of life be 47. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> because yes. everyone knows right, the classic 42 right. and 47 is so iconic. Yes. Because so. I know oh. whatever choice you make is going to be unsatisfying. It's like casting Helen of Troy. You're going to be like, really, Helen of Troy? Okay. Right, right. <laughs> was not that even... I'm offering rewrites, but I just thought it would have been a good joke. <laughs> was there even a 47 in here? Because it seems like, yeah. I that... don't think so if there was yeah. one it slipped me by but mm. we'll Man. see that's someone rough. will tell us if we're wrong <laughs> someone will, but, but no you're, you're absolutely right that it, that was a great opportunity i mean look i i have to say right up front we could do an entire show purely about this ascension subplot because i found yes, it to be historical <laughs> and brilliant just completely brilliant like this is one of those places where they uh, lower decks as this comedy animated show actually did something with a lot of thought and a lot of depth, but then peeled back those layers. And they were just mm -hmm. like, by the way, the guy doing this deeply serious, metaphysical, studious bit of, uh, uh, of self-reflection, like 
he's doing it because he wants to be liked. And I but, thought that was so charming and honest and funny and brilliant. But, but you're about to say. I was going to say, um, I wouldn't have phrased it as nicely as you. I was going to say he's a, I was going to say he's a jerk. Uh, I was thinking of a different word than that, but as we mentioned, family show. <laughs> right. And then I thought it was so lovely that we like peeled the onion back one more time and he actually does the right thing and gets yes. his just desserts, which is this thing he was pretending to want all along. Like, that's so cool because, you know, on the face of it, like, yeah, this is goofy, funny you know, Rick and Morty inspired. And there's lots of that. And there's lots of that in this episode. But this episode, Mm -hmm. I think, also gives us some of the most character stuff that we've had. And the Ascension storyline, like as a a Trek fan, as a Stargate fan, gave me so many things I didn't know I needed in this episode. Yeah. Well, it was, to me, it was just such a purely, and we're kind of jumping ahead, Beard. It was such a purely Star Trek message that's like, look, the answers aren't there. They are out there. It's not about a ritual. It's not about, you know, the, this ancient mythological thing. It's about what you do. Mm-hmm. It's just about, and that one moment, uh, that, that instant of selflessness, that's what it's all about. It was so purely Star Trek boiled down into this little B-plot of a show. Really, uh, really good casting, too. Yes, Haley Joel Osmond. <laughs> yeah, he's everywhere, no man. Is he though? Is <laughs> he, he? He was. He, he was in. Um, he was in Alpha House, and he's been doing a lot of like streaming and like, uh, you know, when you think of Haley Joel Osmond, right? You think of like he was such a star in the early aughts and the nineties, and I guess he just made enough money doing that. that now he can do whatever weird things he wants to do, and I'm so here for it. I That's love it. Too cool. That is yeah. too cool. It's kind of, that's funny. That reminds me that uh, just the other day, um, uh, Macaulay Culkin posted a thing on Twitter. Oh my Twitter. God, it was so <laughs> funny. Hey everybody, you want to feel old? I'm 40. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Get that guy on the show. Yeah. Truly. <laughs> so good. Hey, uh, so waiting for us patiently here is Chris. Uh, Chris calling in tonight. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah. Um, I think we're really starting to hit our stride here in episode four, um, both the A and the B plot really good. Uh, yeah. Like we saying, the Ascension plot is really good. I also like, we talked about this a little bit last week about sort of finding your niche as a Starfleet officer. And I think that's, I like the Ascension plot because it works both ways. It's like about O'Connor, but it's also how does Tendi learn to sort of manage her eagerness. And I love that, you know, the answer isn't that stop being eager. It's just learn when there's too much eager. I'm, I'm a big Tendi fan. So, you know, I like yeah. that she gets to do that. Uh, yeah. Good stuff with Mariner and the mom. Um, yeah. All around. Good, good times. <laughs> Chris, thank you from me personally for not wearing a sock on your head this week and making me think you were a person I'd never met before. Cause I definitely said <laughs> nice to meet you last week. And I've been thinking about it for seven whole days. <laughs> So no, yeah, nice, we're, nice we're to meet back you inside, out of the tube. <laughs> back inside in the air conditioning. No, no external cooling apparatus needed. That's hilarious. All right. So first of all, Chris, I, I have to point out, and for those who are catching this on the audio cast later, uh, you're, you're mixing genres here. You're mixing, mixing shows. Yeah. You got the Cerrito shirt, but you're in the red room. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, speak so it activates your mic. Oh, uh, yeah, so uh, if you, this is from the Lower Decks T-shirt club. Um, this was week one, and it says general purpose garment. 
So and I only learned that that existed great. last week, and I'm so mad that I didn't get those shirts before because they're uh, awesome. Yeah, so this is week one, and then I just got or ordered week four, which is O'Connor Ascending, and it's a glow-in-the-dark uh, vinyl thing. Oh, uh, that's so yeah. cool. You can still get that's week four. Awesome. You can get week four until Thursday when the next episode airs is how I'm it works. Literally going to get it at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, am, I am trapped in the Black Lodge. Uh, very unfortunate. Please, somebody come rescue me. Right. <laughs> right. But, but could it be a holodeck recreation of oh, the Black oh, Lodge from yeah, Twin yeah, Peaks? Yeah, so, yeah, you know, keep that. it all in. Yeah. Uh, I could see that being a thing in the 24th century. You just, okay, replay Twin Peaks, but now I'm in it. But Who in would the you holodeck. want to play, though? Oh, oh, I mean, come on, Cooper, of course. Because, yeah, he, yeah, 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 of course. Everybody else is even more messed up. <laughs> I mean, it's like the, or, or the log lady, right? Like you got to do that just for kids. Maybe, right. maybe uh, Truman, the sheriff, also I think would be a good. Oh, choice. that'd be a good. Okay, yeah. that would be a good one. That would be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, I have questions for both of you because um, Chris, you mentioned something right at the top about um, well, well, a, a couple of things. One thing that you said that stuck out to me is you felt like here are episode four, and it, it really like it clicked, like boom, it got even better. And now I I broke my own rule, which is never read the comments. I went online, I read what people are saying, whether it's IMDb or on you know comments about uh, Lower Decks specifically or Star Trek in general. And it really surprised me that there were a lot of comments that said like, oh, I gave it four episodes, it got progressively worse, this was the worst one, I'm out. And I, I try to tell myself, like, these are people who had a bone to pick from the beginning, and there's sort of like a foregone conclusion for them. But I, I, I didn't want to feel alone here. I honestly felt like the show for me has gotten better with a few, like, stylistic exceptions and a few jokes that I felt like didn't land. But I thought as an episode and with, with shows that had something to say, the last two felt really strong to me. So is it just internet anger or, you, you know, I, I guess you feel like it is on a, are we in an upward trajectory here? Um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think we're we're going up. Like I, I said this last week, um, I enjoyed the pilot. Two faltered a little bit for me, but three and four, I think they got me back. Four especially, both really good plots. Again, it's building up the characters, and you know it's hard to do character well in our twenty-two minutes, but we got two really solid stories here that both deepened the sort of people we were working with, especially, I think, on the Mariner side, as we sort of feel back, you know, what is her deal? I'm still very curious as to where Mariner got demoted from, because I don't think she was demoted from the Cerritos. I think she got put on there because her mom was there. So I'm curious what her sort of tragic backstory will be, if that ever gets mm. revealed. But no, I definitely think we're going up uh, next week, based on the trailer, looks fun. Um, I think that's the one where we're going to get Mariner's conspiracy theory wall. So very excited for that. Finally. Yeah. yeah. But no, yeah, definitely we're going up. I think the people who are being negative, I think we're, they're just going to be set in their ways. And there could be some valid things. There could be that maybe the comedy doesn't jive with them or animation, you know, and they're, they're never going to like it. Um, so I, I could see that, but no, I think we're, we're getting better. We're going places. I definitely think as the character development has gone up, the comedy has sort of gone down. 
Uh, like for me, I did not laugh out loud in this episode, but that wasn't a strike against it. I still really, really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I don't need to be like falling on the floor weeping with every, in fact, I'd, I would rather have cool character moments and be like, oh sure. man, that was great. So maybe that's some people's issues. Um, I also want to say that if anyone doesn't like the show, that's fine. Yeah, Less yeah. For no, you. But that, that's uh, important I, to say, yeah. It sure. is interesting to me because I think there's, uh, animation is something that is such a specific art form and it's so beautiful and it influences like anime fights influence uh, American action movie sequences. And I just don't think animation gets enough credit in general because we think it's something that is for the children's, which of course it is. And I think for some, maybe some fans who take their trek very seriously, this was not what they were looking for. And, you know, if, if, if you saying something nasty on IMDb makes you feel better, then, you know, more power to you. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and that's the thing. And, and particularly with the show that we do here, I mean, Mission Log Live, we, we like to have fun. We like to keep it light. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also want to make sure, like, if, if there are genuine things that that bother you or you think the show is not going in the right direction, like, let's discuss those too. I, I know that I have nitpicked i've talked about the the kinds of jokes that they've tried to land that definitely did not land for me but overall i i think i pick up very solid star trek messages from this show and when they take the time and in this episode i think they did when they slow it down just a a fraction so we can really get involved in the character story that's happening i enjoy it a lot it just feels like a show where they've really watch their Star Trek. <laughs> they really <laughs> tried to figure out the types of Star Trek stories to tell. I know? agree. And and the progression of the episodes just makes me more and more excited because especially with streaming shows tend to get greenlit for two seasons right away. So if we are like absolutely getting two seasons of this show, I can't wait to see where we're going to be talking about the show at the end of season two, I'm assuming I'm going to be here at the end of next year as we're chatting about it because we've had so much cool stuff already, even amidst uh, the nitpicks. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me ask you both one other thing, and and that was this p- comes from again me reading the comments when I shouldn't, because uh, <laughs> I should go in completely sort of unfiltered and untainted when I do the show. Um, but this term about Mariner being a Mary Sue comes up over and over and over again. And and I'm really trying to treat this, you know, analytically and dispassionately. And the thing that I came away with was she is talented, she is smart, she is capable. But I think the most interesting thing about her is that she is self-defeating. Mm-hmm. Like, she is absolutely creating opportunities for herself to not move beyond where she is. And that's something that could and should get analyzed in the show, depending on how far we push the character, depending on where else we go. So I present it to both of you as well. What, what do you make of this argument? Is there any shred of validity to it? So if, if I may get up on my soapbox, because I have so many things to say about Mary Sue. I, 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 I will keep it brief. Um, Mary Sue characters absolutely do exist and they are problematic. They exist as female characters and as male characters. The best example, the easiest, the lowest hanging fruit example is Bella Swan from Twilight, right? Everyone tells us how amazing she is, but we never actually get to see her be amazing. They just tell us how amazing she is. I think Mariner is the complete opposite end of that because most of the time nobody's telling us that she's good at anything 
she's not telling us she's really that good at anything unless they're really under pressure, but she keeps pulling it out. Mm -hmm. And I really admire, to me, she's sort of the anti-Riker because she knows what she's good at and she knows what she wants. Like she wants to be an ensign. She wants to be a cog. She wants to be in the lower decks. And that is so antithetical to everything that we've seen about Star Trek and absolutely deserves to be explored. And the idea that one of your co-leads is that type of character, I think is very interesting. And I actually think is what is going to push the show forward because maybe a better example is she's the anti-Tilly, right? Tilly showed up on Discovery, brand mm-hmm. new, fresh off the boat, super jazzed to be here, loves everything about Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've seen her sort of on this upward trajectory and she's very good at what she does. So I think people use the term Mary Sue uh, as, as a catch-all for female characters they don't like. And you, mm-hmm. you don't have to like Mariner. That's fine. Sure, there's, there's, yeah, there's a litany yeah. of reasons why anyone would not like any of these characters. But I think calling her a, a Mary Sue, I just think is really lazy. Yeah. Do better in your criticisms. <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> How about you, Chris? Has this uh, come across? Uh, you Have you read any of this or given any I thoughts? haven't. I, I have stronger willpower than you, John. I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. Um, <laughs> but I think as part of the, the Mary Sue thing, I, I agree with what you've been saying, that she's not a Mary Sue. And I think part of the Mary Sue thing is when you call someone a Mary Sue, part of it, when I think of it is, not only is it that they're good at things, but they're good at things without really being explained. Mm-hmm. Like Bella, like mm-hmm. you're told she's good at things, but you never see her do things. There are other Mary Sue's where that you see them do things, but you're not told mm-hmm. why. And Mariner, we know, has spent time in Starfleet. She was a lieutenant at some point. She's been around the block a couple times. And so to me, it's not surprising that she has all this knowledge. And uh, just to tap on the self-defeating thing, Ashley, you said it as well, is it's purposeful it's like she knows exactly what she's doing and i i don't want to say she's disillusioned with the idea of starfleet because that seems a little too much Mm -hmm. but i think she she thinks she can do more good or be more productive as an ensign as a lower decker than as the command staff and i think that's kind of the her arc this episode is go play poker all the time go sit in a three-hour meeting about chairs (laughs) <laughs> Let's do all, this, all these things that like are we really out here helping people doing federation things and i think that's sort of why she does it is she's like i joined starfleet for a reason i can like achieve that reason more efficiently down here even if that's sort of counterintuitive or antithetical to what everybody else around me is telling me to do and I know that we could do a whole show on that topic. And I know that women at warp have done whole yes. shows on this topic and, and go check those out, please. You know, uh, uh, part of the formula, and I might get some of this wrong. I didn't do my research on this before going live tonight. <laughs> uh, but, you know, part of the formula here is that Mary Sue, that came from Star Trek fan fiction way back in the day. That is the origin of that as a phrase. But there's something very specific about that formula as well, that mm-hmm. that character has to be one who is, you know, uh, as you were saying, Chris, for no reason is good at everything, but also sort of shocks and amazes all of the lead characters uh, above that character, you know, so th- so then they become sort of best friends with the captain and the first officer. And, I, and that, that's sort of the the weirdness of how that operates in fan fiction. 
we're getting the opposite of that here, where Mariner is somebody who they're actively trying to avoid, <laughs> and, you know, actively trying to push off the ship. Um, which Look, I, and, and and fan fiction serves that purpose, right? That's it what totally it exists does. for. That's why people totally indulge does. in it and create it yeah. and participate. And there's a there's a mm-hmm. an absolute legitimacy to participating in that type of culture but it's so different from what the show is doing right right yeah hey uh chris thank you so much we we need to go to our uh break here in a moment and then we've got uh at least one more caller standing by who we want to get to uh so thank you again sir any any parting thoughts here uh just a couple things yeah uh, one question ransom solo album when <laughs> I need to hear STLB twenty twenty one. Yes, get what the voice actor in here. Get him to do karaoke night. Let's do yes. it. Yes, and uh, yeah, that's that's basically it. Uh, I will see you all again in twenty five years. Uh, that, that's my sign off. Yeah, uh, very good. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, very cool. We'll see you soon, Chris. Thank you. And uh, I guess, you know, with that, because we're kind of at the halfway point, uh, by the way, let me just remind people, uh, click on the Zoom link, give us a call, use the one tap from your smartphone, or call us at uh, 669-900-6833, and uh, type in the meeting code. And uh, Earl, he's he's hanging out, he's ready to talk to you, and he's ready for us to talk to you. And we want to talk to you. So give us a call, we'll talk about lower decks. Uh, But... Before we get there and before we see your smiling faces, we're going to talk about some teeny tiny starships, right? Let's do it. And I need John to provide mm-hmm. the visual aids because I'm in the auxiliary <laughs> shooting space today. So... Here we go. I got a ship. I got a ship in my hand. And then Heck pretty soon Earl is going to put yes. up the video of the Baran, which is just a cool looking ship. This and is the uh, Shinju. Yeah. Yes. Those are the officially authorized by CBS Studios Star Trek Discovery Starship from the collection available from Eagle Moss, Hero Collector. We talk about them every week. It's because one, they're amazing. Two, we love them. And three, we want you to think they're amazing and love them too. This is a super special collection that features brand new ship concepts and designs from both soon to be throth seasons of Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> All and it's throth? of course all Throw, yeah, that's a, that's oh. a real word. It's a Canadian uh, like word, I very soon. Yes, let's say that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> and each of the little tiny designs has gone through extensive reference study and has been reproduced under the careful supervision of not related to me, Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. I can't wait to meet him one day and take a photo together for right. their accuracy and their detail. Yes. And uh, now the first thing that you'll notice when you get your first ship, the USS Buran, MCC-1422, is that it's larger than those other teeny tiny starships we've talked about in the past. <laughs> those are usually about four, four inches-ish, three and a half inches-ish. These are nine inches, more than nine inches, actually, from the tip of the saucer to the end of the nacelle, four nice. of those nacelles on the uh, Buran. And they all are made in that larger scale for the Discovery Collection. They're all made of die cast metal and ABS materials. They're all hand painted, y'all. That's a big deal. Hand painted with reference to the actual CG models used in production. They come with a display base plus a collector's magazine. So if you're going to read up on all of the, not only behind the scenes, but the in-universe technology, it's all right there on the page for you. Heck yeah. So it is time right now. Go right now. Start your collection with the USS Baran. It's amazing. You remember Lorca exploded it in Star Trek Discovery because he's super evil. Uh, 
the mm. worst. But so handsome. So it's okay. <laughs> and it's available to subscribers with this special Mission Log Live offer. It's only $9.95, friends, with free shipping. You're supporting the USPS. Very good. You go to www.herocollector.com slash mission log. Sign up. Use the promo code mission. Get it? Branding. At checkout for all that goodness. They have a bunch of other cool models, including the Discovery. Duh. The Corala. Duh. And I say this every time, but the new Klingon Bird of Prey, it looks, it's so freaking cool, guys, gals, non-binary pals. You're going to want it. And everything will then ship monthly with an exclusive 20% discount right to you off of the standard retail price. All of this with free shipping because who doesn't love free shipping? Yes, exactly. So uh, subscribers can also get over $100 worth of free gifts the longer wow. they keep their subscription going. That's very cool. Again, details at herocollector.com slash mission log. One thing that I haven't mentioned before, when you go there, what you'll see on the, the uh, subscription offer is the Shinjo as your starting ship. You will only get the Buran as your starting ship for that $9.95 price if you enter the code mission. So that is exclusive to us, and that is pretty cool of them. So if you'd like to buy your ships individually, just get your favorites, you can do that. You can go online to shop.eaglemoss.com or go to your comic book shop. They'll run you about $54.95 there. But hey, get the, get the deal. Come on. We, we worked hard on that deal. Take advantage of it, please. Heck yeah. All right. So uh, without further ado, let me put away my teeny tiny starship here. Um, <laughs> Official phrasing, teeny tiny starship. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and let us, uh, I believe sensors are telling me that we have somebody else online. Did I get that right? That has right? to be a t-shirt as well. I, it, it does. Yes. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm so tired. So I can't believe you said sensors. Let's pretend there's <laughs> coffee in this. Exactly. Oh, there you go. Oh. That was good. That was well played. Uh, good at improv. We, we have the Vice Admiral standing by to chat with us. And uh, Vice Admiral, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm good, John. Ashley, good to see you both. How you been? You too. Good. Very good. Very good. I'm by the way, we, I uh, got you connected. Yes, yeah. I had a microphone issue, but I dealt with it. So. Okay, here, you, you two go ahead. I'm just going to reposition myself. I, uh, I'm working on my, my favorite character <laughs> bit. Here. I'm going to do the rest of the show like this. Very good. Very, very good. You know, right. next week I expect you, or, or the week after next, to enter as well, doing the oh. Riker maneuver. Yes. Oh, you got it. Yeah, we, we need to get lower seats in here. <laughs> <laughs> just, you, have, you have two weeks, John. Start stretching now. <laughs> okay, you got it. You got it. So what is up, sir? What's on your mind tonight? Well, um, here's a thing that uh, you got to wonder, right? Okay, we have two California-class ships, obviously, in this episode. One uh, being an engineering ship, as we can tell by its striping. And that is, of course, you know, that, that's ours. And then one, one science ship, which would be less uh, fortunate throughout the episode. And, and I got to say, the green color of its L-cars was also pretty unfortunate. But that's... that's... <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. but, but let me ask you this. Um, We've talked, John, especially over the years in person, even about how many Bavmerals Starfleet ends up having, <laughs> right? Right. Yes. I think we now know where they come from, because yeah. both both her mom and the captain of of and I'm sorry, I can't remember what was the other one. Um, oh, I want to uh, say Durango, uh, but that was his name, not the yeah. Show. Durango uh, the was the Merced? captain of the Merced. Merced yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But both Cerritos and Merced captains are. Let's face it; they're not great. 
<laughs> yeah, well, so I wonder about that. Is this a thing here where uh, maybe just because it's the 21st century and it's 21st century storytelling, uh, the idea of failing up, you, uh, that, that's sort of a cultural meme now. Uh, John, don't that... talk about my career like that. <laughs> oh, I didn't want to make it personal. I'm so if sorry. I say that, then uh, no one else can say it. Make me uh, <laughs> Uh, but this idea of failing upward that like, well, you, you didn't quite cut it as a captain, but we're not going to get rid of you completely. And we have this seat to fill over here. Okay, I guess you're an admiral now. And, you know, is that maybe the, the statement or is the statement that the longer you sit behind a desk, just the worse you get at your job? I also wonder if the show is just trying to tell us that the California class is where they like huck you when you're bad. Like, is that the opposite of in 21st century America? Like the, you go to California, it's this big dream, the palm trees in Hollywood. And like, you know, in the future is, is California in Starfleet a place you want to avoid? Uh, well, you know, that, that's sort of the... Oh, it's where Starfleet is. It, well, that's it true. is, it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but there's something about the premise of the show though that I think rankled some people when it was first announced like mm -hmm. this whole idea of these are the ships that do second contact they're not as good as the people we've been following all along on ships like the enterprise right well, sure you know and and you have to say all right well we're we're look it's a joke we can all make light of the things that we love that's fine it's also a good pitch in the room it is a good picture of the room, right? <laughs> and I forget who it was. Some comedian would do this bit, and I, I'll, I'll falsely attribute it to George Carlin, but I don't think it was him, um, saying that somewhere in the world right now is the worst doctor practicing medicine. Mm -hmm. So just because there, there are X number of doctors in the world, somebody out of that group is the very best at their job, Somebody out of that group is the very worst at their job, and that person is practicing right now. So, this is why given... school should be pass fail. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, uh, yeah, neurology, sure. You made it or you didn't. But but it's kind of like if we jokingly look at Starfleet that way, okay, there are some people who maybe shouldn't be in command of the flagship. We're okay with that. And maybe they're fine off there doing second contact. And there are people who need a little more time in lower decks. I think that's okay. But there are people, those are jobs that would need to happen, right? Mm -hmm. It's not all, it's not all sexy fighting Borg's first contact stuff. Like you would have to make second contact, third con I don't know how many contacts before we eventually let Bajor join the Federation. <laughs> 850 contacts. Right. Or Ferenginar. Uh, yeah, that matter, yeah, yes. Right. Uh, also previously appeared on this show. Very moist planet. You know, <laughs> yes. I don't really want to think about Ferengi's moisture levels, if I can be <laughs> no word for As Chris. a Ferengi fan. Yes. <laughs> but those are jobs that would absolutely happen. It's like um, uh, in Marvel Comics, it's called damage control. They're the people who come and clean up the mess that the superheroes make. And it's, right. it's fun as a thought experiment, but... Yeah. Maybe maybe this is where all the bad morals come from. Like they're all angry that they never got into sort of that top tier rank of leadership. And so they stuck with it long enough to be the boss. Yeah. And, and then where do you <laughs> go after that? So although, yeah, they're, uh, they're stuck. Although I think if you lose a ship, you're probably not going there. So De debatable. Kirk's <laughs> lost a couple enterprises. Mm, mm. Well, <laughs> but he's Kirk though. I know. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, we're going to demote you yeah. and give you <laughs> yeah. a ship and do the thing that you like to do. Yeah. Thanks. Exactly. thanks thanks to the whales. We'll try not to kill them. Yeah. One thing I'm surprised about, given how many callbacks this show is really good at, hmm. you had an entire episode about a, a, a an, emulsion, an emulsion goo that is the Genesis device, and nobody mm-hmm. said the word Genesis device. Yeah, yes, yes. All right. So let, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, we- because I... Oh, Do go we ahead. think that's because there's, we all know, right, that there is some weirdness between like CBS and Paramount and who owns what rights to what things because movies and TV, even though they're the same thing, cannot be the same thing. Like, is yeah. there, would there be a reason that they couldn't call it a Genesis device? No, no, it, it's, uh, C- Star Trek is CBS 100%. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just that Paramount has the rights to distribute movies, but the ah, IP, okay. the characters, the device, it is all 100% CBS. Okay, so all references are on the table. All references are on the table, but but I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that I really liked here, which is you had a, a thematic idea, this terraforming gel, that is absolutely like Genesis. I hope you noticed uh, the, the line that I threw into the recap there, uh, Vice Admiral. Um, <laughs> so I, I loved that, but I also loved just like the idea of following around the senior staff to the things that the senior staff does without calling out this is what they do on Next Gen. Because to me, that whole <laughs> sequence of them having a meeting about the chairs or attending these boring seminars and performances, like this is all the between the scenes stuff on Next Gen. You didn't yep. have to name it. It's just like, oh God, that is what happens. <laughs> you know? And so I love ugly. that ugly chairs oh yes 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 <laughs> like yes. bad ergonomic design yes, <laughs> just look, yes maybe they're maybe they're for different alien bodies right like maybe those are good chairs for tellarites which i never thought we would see in animation but right I don't know. exactly <laughs> yeah. hey uh, a couple more people are hanging on yep. uh vice admiral any thoughts uh before we let you go no for tonight that was those are my two big ones good to Excellent. see you guys as always and hopefully see you again next week and uh have a good week hopefully. and have see a good labor week. day Thank yes. you, you too. Take Is there care. a show Labor Day? Well, it has to be because there's an episode. So yeah, okay. I'll yeah. see you then. Yep. All right. All right. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. <laughs> Take care. And then, oh, oh I'm so excited about this because waiting on, uh, on phone here. We don't have visual on him, but I believe standing by, it's Cooley. Cooley, are you there? Wait, I, 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 I see your phone i see a phone number i see it's a muted. mute icon i said oh now it's unmuted yeah yeah hey guys hey hi. <laughs> how's it going hi great you know I, I, there's so many things that you just started to unpack there that like uh just so many fun different concepts look if starfleet is supposed to be an analog of the u.s military did you ever think for a moment that some people just fail upwards yeah. um because that is absolutely a thing that happens. And maybe there's a reason in Starfleet careers why everybody just sort of arcs out at captain. Maybe beyond captain, that's just the no man's land. Like this is, you've now achieved your own usefulness. We'll just make you an admiral. Well, yeah, they, they, um, they see that coming. <laughs> they, they, they all saw Star Trek, the motion picture. They all saw what happened to Kirk and they were like, oh, don't don't let that happen. Because then you have to go and you have to yeah. fight with Admiral Nagura. Nobody wants that. But, Just... but as, as with any military structure, there's only so many positions available. So mm-hmm. it might be that once they make captain, there's only so many admiral positions. I don't know. And that's why we have so many captains who are like of average quality bouncing around also weird side 
sidebar. Uh, my father was in the Canadian military. So when I started watching Star Trek, I was like, what's an ensign? Because all I knew was privates and <laughs> lieutenants growing up. And it took me a really long time to understand the naval structure of the right. show. <laughs> Nice. Which the naval structure is what Shatner is debating with Space Force right now. But anyway. Oh, oh my. Yeah. Another yeah. nice Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, no, but then you touched on something else that was kind of interesting, too. You were talking about the whole uh, Genesis thing with the substance that's on the, the alien ship. And I just mm -hmm. keep thinking that maybe we're seeing little bits of a larger story arc play out. Because if you go back to the second episode of the series, Mariner's asleep in that uh, shuttlecraft, and the things that she's murmuring to herself yes. are lines from Star yes. Trek II, The Wrath of Colin. Ooh. Um, yeah. So I just sort of wonder if we're planting some seeds here. Like, it's not overt. Nobody says anything about Genesis or Khan or anything like that. But this would now be the second or maybe even the third if you really care to go back and rewatch reference that we have even obliquely to wrath of khan eugenics wow. war two eugenics <laughs> war two <laughs> interesting um, oh, and uh and earl pointing out to us here that khan was name checked in the premiere episode correct so yeah well there you go yeah, so this would be yeah. the third reference yeah then yeah, yeah. so nice. maybe something's coming that we just haven't seen yet i don't know i'm, I'm just speculating but it seems like they keep seeding Wrath of Khan in there for some reason. Yeah. So, and the ship itself is kind of reminiscent of, you know, a Miranda-class vessel to begin with. Yes. So, yeah. this is also yeah, the second maybe week there's in a, something deeper. I was going to say, this is also the second week in a row where we have seen our technological sci-fi spaceship fight uh, sort of an organic substance because we had the um, the Galrakians and their love of crystal and their hatred of wood in the previous mm -hmm. episode. And I really do appreciate right. the designers because every time they have to fight nature, it's so beautiful. Like as the Cerritos was being torn apart, I was like, she's gorgeous. She looks so right. good today. <laughs> right. Right. I know this is horrible, but I'm kind of into it. <laughs> and, and, you know, just to call right, it out, right. like the, the magic of animation, like that was always the big thing on the, the original animated series is hey mm -hmm. now we're not tied to the budget of having to shoot on a stage at paramount animation can do anything and the very first show uh beyond the farthest star for uh, uh for the animated series you had this beautiful old derelict ship with all these you know huge rooms and pods and stuff and here they get to do that again you get to build the generation ship and then you get to see these ships transform in this really incredible way like you said very beautiful mm -hmm. I, and 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 crazy like there are rocks there are glaciers there's water and there are these exploding pink balls that just yeah, those all, are the varieties, you know, right. all the varieties of weather known to man in one yeah, in one place yeah. environmental controls are just like off the charts they're like we don't know what's happening yeah that was so good oh, and I, I love the bit at the end where after they they uh purge that out of the ship then you cut back to them at Starbase, and it's the people that they were like with the leaf blowers. <laughs> just that's um, isn't that also a Wrath of Khan? That was what? genius. Yeah, there was the guy with the sweeper. In yeah, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, outside in the, the simulation room. Yes, mm -hmm. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, an even worse job than cleaning right. out the holodeck waste. Right, <laughs> just right. kind of uh, disposing of whatever auxiliary goo is. <laughs> Yeah. No, no. Give me a leaf blower and put me on deck eight. I'd be much happier than the 
and cleaning out the holodeck way. Don't, you don't want to clean up Speaking after? Holo- what, what's the running joke? A Vulcan love slave? Is that the joke? Yes. I mean, what what job is too menial for a Mary Sue? Look, she'd be excellent at all of them. <laughs> she would be, yes. Right? Yes. No, but I joined the I joined the cast late tonight and I came in on the Mary Sue comment. I just mm-hmm. I had to bring it all the way back around again because the Mary Sue comment kind of gets under my skin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because sure. technically yeah. you cannot have a Mary Sue that is the lead of a show. She mm-hmm. is That's the star true. of the show. She's the mm-hmm. focus of the show. And so if, if the solution to a problem week to week comes from the lead of the show, then that's, that show is constructed well. Yeah. If you have a character that an author has brought in willy-nilly to write themselves into the fiction of, of, of the story, you know, like the original Mary Sue, which came from a Star Trek fanzine in the 70s, who mm-hmm. wrote herself into every story and saved the ship right. time and time again. Right. Um, you know, we have, we have the ultimate example of that already in Star Trek, not to mention the fact that, again, the meme comes from Star Trek to begin yeah. with. Exactly. But then Gene did it to himself. He did, yes. Eugene Wesley Roddenberry creates Wesley Crusher and Wesley Crusher saves the ship time and again, week after week for two solid seasons. And so, you know, yeah, Star Trek's not immune to Mary Sue syndrome, but if somebody wants to level the idea of, of a Mary Sue at Mariner or by extension, Michael Burnham or someone like that, it's just, it's kind of misapplied. Yeah, I here agree. because they're they're the lead character. I will also say um, if anybody has a copy of that OG fanzine, I will buy it from you because I, <laughs> I want for it. it for decades. Me too. I always hope I'm going to be the one who finds it at a CLB, but it's never happened so far. <laughs> you find it you you if you find it you mimeograph it for me and I want a copy. Absolutely. And it's got to be a mimeograph. It has to smell right. I'm going to pretend yeah. I know what that means and say yes. <laughs> John does. John I do. <laughs> I do. All right. Uh, I feel so seen. Okay. Uh, Cooley, <laughs> Cooley, thank you so much. Take care. Cool, cool. Thanks, guys. All right. We will see you soon. And uh, standing. Oh, standing by is JD. JD, are you there? Let's see here. Got to wait here to take you off a of mute. JD. Hello. Hello. Hey, JD. How are you? Hey. Hey, how's it going? It's been a while since I called it. Last time I called in, I was complaining about the lack of the uh, the rainbow uh, jumpsuits on Picard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think and, it's just uh, a lack of that in Star Trek in general. Clearly. Agreed. You know, yeah. Um, well, I got to say, Lower Decks, wow, so, so much better than I was anticipating or afraid of, I guess. Um, <laughs> Interesting. I mean, even from the previews, I'm just like, okay, here we go. Um, because I don't, in general, have a whole lot of patience for animated series, uh, especially mm. if they just tend to be, well, stupid. And... I don't know. I was expecting a lot of Mel Brooks type stuff and it's not at all. Like it's a legitimate Star Trek show. And I am extremely happy with every episode of it. Um, 
I mean, I like how meta it is. You know, it's speaking to the audience. It's, uh, you know, poking fun at some of the tropes, but it's not doing it. It's not making fun of it. It's just pointing out things like, uh, you know, how come all the Klingon names start with K? Well, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. but the fans, we've been saying that for years. Right. Um, so, yeah, I got to say, uh, it's, uh, I mean, I've watched each episode twice, and for a show to get me to watch an episode of anything twice when I'm not doing a rewatch, that says something about the show. Um I'm uh yeah, I'm a fan of it. And really uh if I could time travel back a couple of months and tell myself that I was going to like it <laughs> after seeing the previews, I wouldn't believe myself. Oh uh, <laughs> wow. Wow. Cuz well, I mean, it's Star Trek, so of course I'm going to give it a chance, but sure. Yeah, I was expecting something much much worse. Um um yeah, I got to say I'm pretty happy about it. Um I like the ship. I like the crew. I wish I could remember any of their names, but I have that problem with every series. Well, that's what John and I um, are here for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have exactly. In front of me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly because um, most most series is it takes uh, at least a half a season for me to remember any of the names. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, well, especially I, for alien names, right? Or Game of Thrones fantasy names, they can be hard to onboard. Yeah, exactly. And and in in this case, in this show where they don't necessarily address everybody, that mm-hmm. just makes it work. I I want to say I think one of the characters' name is Tendi. Um, yes, but the, the yeah. best okay. character. <laughs> okay, all right. So she, all right, so she's the Orion, and yes. <laughs> that's it. I've got one of the names down, so I'm pretty happy. Um, good. Good. Hey, uh, yeah. JD, JD, I, yeah. I want to address something that you said earlier, and, and, and that was interesting to me because, you know, I, you, you're a fan of, uh, you said, Mel Brooks, and we've all seen Spaceballs, I'm sure. And I think there's an interesting distinction here between what makes Lower Decks work in its way versus what makes Spaceballs work in its way. I would be shocked if ever there was a moment in Lower Decks where a character basically says to the camera, we're doing this to sell you merchandise, mm-hmm. which of course is a great moment in Spaceballs where you've got yogurt, you know, Spaceballs, the, the <laughs> you know, the, the cone, yeah. Spaceballs, the whatever, the T-shirt, you know, and, and that is a purely, it, it is a meta joke, uh, squarely aimed at the audience, but squarely aimed at the whole idea of the studio making money off of you. Lower Decks, I, I thought was very interesting in that, their their humor is based on the universe that they are in and they're fully committed to that universe fully committed to what does this 24th century look like you know it's picard ish time voyager ish time so the humor is going to come from that uh and i think it's really effective when they are totally committed to that universe that they're in now also to what you were saying jd i think there's a big big set of hurdles that they have to get past and and you're articulating it very well which is you have to get past the hurdle of will the audience accept animation and there is still a bit of a stigma like oh this is for kids this is for it's for somebody who's not me Mm -hmm. then you have to get past the the hurdle of comedy comedy is very personal it's very subjective is this going to work for me but then the biggest hurdle is star trek itself 
can we just accept that Star Trek can make fun of itself? That we could all sit here and go, oh, you know what? All that downtime on Next Gen, all those meetings, they were really boring. Let's make fun of that yes. for a while. You know? Well, um, I don't know if you could have done a show like this without all of that history, though. Like, if this had come, right, right. if the show had come between like TNG and Deep Space Nine, I don't know if we would have all accepted it, which is not, nothing to say about what comedy was in the 90s versus what it is now. But I think it's that rich fabric, which does complicate things and, and the fanatic fan base, which does complicate things. But I also think that's what feeds the genius of the show. Yeah. Well, yeah. well I, if this show had come earlier, it wouldn't have 50 years worth of uh, tropes that sure. it can it, it can pull on. I mean, if it had come uh, between TNG and Deep Space Nine, it would have been all making fun of TNG. And in this case, they pull from everything. Um, and, uh, you know, you mentioned merchandise. This show is getting us to wish for merchandise that we might not get, like Starfleet boots that I have, the, yes, that have the chevron on the soles of the boots. <laughs> I know. Um, I want them so bad. I, I, now, I, I, now it makes me wish that we could see the bottom of the feet of the TNG uh, uh, and the, the Voyager era uniforms. Yes, in fact, yeah. I'm absolutely certain that Discovery, you know, because um, we get a better look at the boots on Discovery than we ever did uh, at mm -hmm. the regular shoe type thing. And, right. you know, because they have like, they've got like the separate color for the soles than they do from the rest of the boot. And I think to myself, I bet there is a Starfleet logo on the sole. Um, it's not their need. They need to, their costume, their wardrobers need to take this time to figure out how to get them on for season four. I, I, I think yes, we just I agree. I think we just retconned that. I, I think we just all decided that that's what's on the bottom of the boots in all of Star Trek. That I look we, forward that, to our uh, consultant credits coming. Forward. I do too. Yeah, that'll be exciting. <laughs> hey, uh, JD, I, I'm so sorry. We're up against the clock, and the no, the, that's fine. Yeah, the giant koala uh, in the sky that runs the show has told <laughs> us that uh, that that we're done. So thank you. Please call back. Uh, oh, I will. I will. Yeah. I I I haven't really had a chance until now and I was like uh you know I I well I had been planning on it and then I saw the the notification on Facebook I'm like oh it's that time so <laughs> nice. um, cool well we'll but, see you uh, again soon okay all Take right care. good night live long and prosper you Bye. too uh ashley giant giant koala uh do you love the giant koala the uh, 10 out of 10 am here for it <laughs> that that definitely scans with my version of a god figure for sure <laughs> a giant cute animal yes <laughs> oh, i'm so glad they went there excellent well uh, a pleasure to do this again tonight pleasure to see you and i won't be here next week but then i look forward to watching you and norman and then joining you again the week after yes have a All nice right. uh not week off Exactly. <laughs> Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by the incomparable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but Women at War, Priority One, The Trek Files, your daily Star Trek news. Oh, oh, Ashley, I caught it on last week's show. You didn't know about the thing. We do a shabam, so I'll say it. I'll say oh. shabam. Shabam! <laughs>
exactly. <laughs> if you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. A lot of fun stuff there, including sneak peeks of our upcoming shows and behind the scenes unedited footage. It's a lot of fun. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We look forward to talking with you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.